Starbucks has had it, and it's about more than a caramel macchiato. Bad dogs and bad cats and aprons. I know, not Starbucks aprons, just regular old aprons. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. We got all that and more coming up today. Happy Merdeka. If you are in Malaysia, today is San- Sandra Lee. Like the stream. Hey, Sandra, thank you. Good to have you along for the ride. Um, today is Merdeka Day. It is a public holiday here in Malaysia, and it is our, for lack of a better word, Independence Day. The people from Sabah and Sarawak, uh, two of the other states over on the island, uh, kind of take the wind out of the sails because everybody, you know, people like to complain. Uh, This is Merdeka today. But the day that Malaysia actually was formed is a little while more down the road. And that is when actually Malaysia became Malaysia with all of the states, including Sabah and Sarawak. Nevertheless, today was the day. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that and uh, some info that you may or may not know about. This is not a Malaysia-centric show, by the way. We will do a little segment on Merdeka, but I got a lot of stuff about a lot of things that have to do with nothing about Malaysia. In the meantime, it is time to update you on our little furry friend, Miko. Miko update. Me, 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 me. Miko update. She was having a very bad day today. I don't know why. She had a very rough day today. Uh, She was kind of lethargic, just hanging around, just being kind of bleh. And uh, I don't know. Then suddenly tonight, she bopped out of it. We went for a walk. We didn't get rain today, so that was good here, at least where I live. Uh, But uh, we did get a walk in, and uh, she ate a couple of meals and had a good good run. Hey, uh, last weekend, by the way, I think I shared a little bit of this with you. There was a big event uh, in uh, Setia, Eco Setia something, whatever it's called. Anyway, I, I did find uh, some video here. Let me, I got to mute this. But this, uh, there were some ducks at this park. And Miko, this Miko was fascinated by these things. Absolutely, fa- she'd never seen ducks before. And so there's another video. Here we go. Take a look at this. They're out in the uh, out in the pond swimming around, and Miko's looking, going like, "Hmm, they look tasty." <laughs> so yeah, Miko was fascinated by these uh, by these ducks, and uh, she never did catch them. But in fact, all the dogs, as you can see, that were there, obviously were fascinated by the ducks. So. Uh, yeah, she uh, she had a it was a great time. We had a big long like a two km uh, hike, and um, it was very cool. So uh, we enjoyed it a lot, and I I think I I shared a little bit about this on our our previous stream. All right, anyway, so that's the latest update. Uh, what? Okay, that's the latest uh, update on. Uh, Miko, 
And I'm sorry, I'm a little confused. I'm trying to do two things at once. Can you tell? Anyway, our Miko update, of course, is brought to you by our good friends at BarkBox.com. And uh, that is the place where if you are in the U.S., U.S. territories or Canada, you can get uh, sign up for a monthly subscription, which they will send you dog toys and dog treats and a dog chew every month. And they're themed and they're so cool and the dogs love them. You can specify small, medium or large, depends on your dog size. And if you go to the link in our show notes tonight, it's a very special link. We have our own URL now. It's BarkBox.com slash Miko. <clears throat> Easy to remember. That's it. BarkBox.com slash Miko. And that will get you to this page. And you can give your dog exactly what they want. In fact, you'll see here an exclusive offer, an extra free month with a multi-month subscription. So you can claim that while you're there. And uh, they've got all kinds of amazing toys. Every month is a different theme. I think right now there's some Harry Potter special going on. And the Back to School box too so you subscribe either for one month or six months or 12 months of course the longer you subscribe for the less expensive it is as usual and every month you'll get a themed box full of a bunch of toys uh some very good all natural well-made uh, treats and a chew uh some sort of dog chew and again all of this stuff is you know they like if you look at the ingredients there's like four ingredients so it's all natural no fillers, no chemicals, all that crap. Uh, very, very highly recommended. And BarkBox.com slash Miko is where you will find this deal. Again, I'm sorry if you're not in the U.S., U.S. territories or Canada. They don't ship outside of that area. They are working on getting international shipping. As soon as they do, I'll let you know. And as a couple of my friends have done, you could also look for one of those forward shipper kind of services so that you, even if you wherever you are in the world, you can still sign up for BarkBox.com slash Miko and uh, start partying with your pooch today. BarkBox.com slash Miko is the site. And thank you so much for their sponsorship of the Miko update. Cool beans. That's it. That's all. All right. Today, of course, is Merdeka. And uh, it was a huge celebration. Uh, they have a giant parade. Uh, this from the uh, Malay Mail, links in our show notes. Uh, Dataran Merdeka, the Malaysians turned out in droves. Record numbers of people uh, turned out to celebrate National Day. Of course, you see my shirt tonight? Check that out. There you go. My official Malaysia shirt. Uh, sorry, if you're listening on the podcast, check out the video. Uh, Rumble.com slash Jay Sheldon. And uh, it was, honestly, it was so cool. Sorry, the Malay Mail has like 90% ads, 10% meat in the sandwich. The harmony of the Malaysian family and excitement was evident on the faces of thousands of people from all walks of life, as well as age, race, religion, who converged on Dataran Merdeka, which is Independence Square, uh, together to celebrate the 2022 National Day, our 65th. Uh, the theme of Kelawaga, Malaysia, Tunggu Basama, Malaysia's family strong together. Uh, this year's historic day celebration is meaningful in, in expressing the gratitude and the pride of the country's pluralistic society. Uh, gathered at the main location of the National Day celebration, most of them arriving as early as 4.30 in the morning. There was a huge parade, all kinds of, uh, of course, uh, dignitaries there to 
check out everything. Uh, the Sultan was there. Uh, His Majesty given a royal salute and then inspected the Guard of Honor mounted by four officers and 103 members led by Major Nurul Fazan Muhammad Sabri, the 1st Battalion of the Royal Malay Regiment. All right. Of course, the Prime Minister was there. And uh, wow, look at that little reenactment of Merdeka. Fantastic. It really was. It was an amazing, amazing celebration uh, today. All right. Uh, David Sims, never knew I needed this, but I'm here. I'm glad you are here. Thank you, David. Appreciate that. (laughs) And yes, uh, actually, you can get a doctor's subscription for our show. I said subscription, not prescription. But uh, yeah, just in case, you do need it. And you should check Monday, Wednesdays, and Saturdays at 10 p.m. Malaysian time uh, for your refill. Okay, And you can also check out our podcast on all the podcast platforms. Just look for the Jay Sheldon Show, that logo there. And, uh, and that's it. You click subscribe or follow, and you're done. And you're a part of our, a part of our crazy group of people. Uh, all right, what else we got here? Uh, it says first time chat. Oh, David, say thank you, David. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Chat all you want. Feel free. We just hang out and talk about all kinds of crazy crap here on the show. And uh, you're welcome to jo- uh, join in and talk about it, too, or uh, make comments or talk about something else if you want. Feel free. Anyway, we try and not cover all the controversial crap because, you know, there's 5,000 other shows that do that. We do cover it a bit, but most of the time, uh, anonymous like the stream. That sounds dangerous, but thank you, Anonymous, for uh, <laughs> for that, whoever you are. Uh, all right, how about this one? This is cool. Uh, our our flag in Malaysia is called Jalur Gemilang. Uh, that's how we refer to our national flag. Uh, it's well, I don't. Well, it's kind of like this, but you'll see it. You've seen it. Anyway, the, the fellow who designed the flag. And again, this is the last Malaysian-centric story we're doing. The rest is all worldwide kind of stuff. But just bear with me if you're not in Malaysia. And you know what? Even if you're not, you might learn something. The Malaysian architect who designed our beloved flag. And that's him. There's, there's a picture of the, uh, of the flag right there. Um, yeah, every year, August 31st, today, our Jalur Gemalang, flag soars high up in the sky as a sign of our love for the country. There you go. (laughs) Oh, that's a little over the top. Oh, my goodness. Look at those outfits. (laughs) It's become tradition to turn our beautiful Jalur Gemilang into a costume every time Hari Kabangsaan comes around. Uh, Often Malaysians will dress up in creative renditions of the national flag. Uh, If you didn't know, and have always wondered, Our beloved Malaysian flag was the result of a design competition, which was held in 1949. The Conference of Rulers, in collaboration with the Federal Legislative Council, held a competition in their effort to create a new flag to replace the Malayan Union flag. Over 300 artists took part, and on the 15th of November, 1949, only three flags were chosen for the finals. The winning flag, which is the Jalur Gemilang that we fly today, is a result of Mohammed bin Hamza's hard work. And there he is being awarded a medal. 
the late Mohammed bin Hamza had, uh, was working as an architect from the Malaysian Public Works Department for the Johor Division when he submitted his design for the national flag. There's a handsome fellow. And uh, according to uh, Pusat Katian Kuchermalagan Malayu, I butchered that one, sorry. 20 years in this country, and I still can't pronounce the words right. Anyway, uh, Mohammed was a graphic design graduate from Raffles College in Singapore, uh, prior to being an architect for JKR. He's often commissioned by the Sultan of Johor to design logos, insignias, buildings for the royal family. And uh, some of the works the architect was asked to design include the route map for the Johor Sultanate Grand Prix and the Crown Archway at Lido Beach in Johor. There you go. There's a sample of some of his designs. Anyway, the flag of the design went through a lot of amendments before it was finalized as the flag we know and love today. Um, one of the flag designs contested to be Malaysia's official flag with two Carissa's crossed at the center, surrounded by white stars on a blue background. That's actually quite a nice design. Uh, another similar design considered, except the white stars were arranged in a specific way. I don't like that one so much, but this one is quite nice. Interesting. Uh, the winning design, made by Mohammed bin Hamza, that won the majority of votes through a public vote uh, via the Malay Mail newspaper. And that is the original design. You can see how obviously it's changed since then. But uh, it was red and white stripes with an 11-point star, symbolizes each state before Sabah and Sarawak joined. And then, of course, this is the flag we know today with 14 stripes, including Sabah, Sarawak, and Singapore, uh, that joined in 1963 before Singapore, of course, left in 65. There you go. That is it. And there's more in this article about the meaning behind the national flag. If you want to know more, you can check it out. The link is in our show notes tonight, and you can, uh, you can find out all you need to know about our national flag. Very, very cool. All right, what else we got happening here tonight? I got lots going on, and I'm trying to keep everything straight. So as you can tell, as usual... Things are messed up. <laughs> Just bear with me, all right? All right. Starbucks has had it. Serious. Starbucks is done. Um, let me just close this ad before I pop this thing up here. Why are we doing this? Okay, here we go. For some reason, this is not working. Here we go. Okay. Fine. Thank you for bearing with me. Be patient. I'm an old boomer and I'm trying to figure the tech out, okay? All right. Here in this country, caramel macchiatos. Can you believe the balls on these people? Seriously? Anyway, that was a story earlier this week and it's not even worth talking about because these people are just idiots and fools and no one gives a crap. But Starbucks baristas are sick and tired of your stuff. Stupid custom orders. I didn't even know this was a, a thing. I don't drink Starbucks. To me, it's just overpriced owl pee. But your borderline undrinkable drinks 
can have a knock-on effect for the entire store, which creates longer waits and wasted ingredients. If you're one of these idiots who can't live without your gross Starbucks, look at this. Look at the ingredients and the, the instructions on building this moronic drink. Earlier this week, a Starbucks barista named Josie went all kinds of viral after she tweeted a photo of a customer's ridiculous mobile order, a monstrosity of a drink that involved more than a dozen different additions, including, get this, seven pumps of dark caramel sauce, extra caramel drizzle, extra whipped cream, oh, and uh, five bananas. On today's episode of Why I Want to Quit My Job, Josie wrote in the now-deleted tweet, a lot of Starbucks staffers are feeling rather Josie-ish lately, and I'm sure if you are a Starbucks person or or employee there, a worker, you, you know what I'm talking about, because complicated orders with sometimes eight, nine, or even 12 different customizations are becoming more common, and they're putting the blame on TikTok. Now, you know my feelings about TikTok. Get off TikTok. It is evil. It is run by the CCP. They are stealing your data. They have a right to take everything and anything and all your contacts. And if you really read the terms and conditions before you sign up for TikTok, you will do what I do and click delete, uninstall, get rid of it. It's garbage. Never... Stop with the clothes. Nevertheless, Zoo. Hey, Zoo's like the stream. Hey, Zoo. Welcome in. You're not one of these Starbucks freaks, are you? Please tell me you're not. Anyway, the idiots at TikTok, uh, the, the tweet made its way across the internet. Other baristas filled, uh, filled his mentions with pics of the borderline undrinkable beverages they've had to assemble. The R Starbucks and R Starbucks barista subreddits been filled with green apron-wearing People typing out their frustrations about idiot customers who order drinks with names that were just simply made up on TikTok. Not to mention an emerging crop of barrister-turned-TikTokers who post aesthetic Starbucks drinks. Look at this. Look at this. Here's the tweet from Mark Lewis. Edward's Frappuccino order is more complicated than most of the chemotherapy I prescribe. Look at this ridiculous, it just goes on and on and on. This is insane. The orders have gotten crazier during the two years I've been with the company. Grace, a Starbucks barista in Michigan, told Vice, I've asked my co-workers if they thought the orders were getting worse, and they said, oh my gosh, yes, 100%. It's very rare for someone to come in and just order a regular latte or a black coffee. At our store, whenever someone does order something like that, all of us sigh with relief because it's not a drink with 17 customizations in it. It's just unbelievable. Anyway, why? Well, Starbucks lets you. I don't want you to start taking advantage here, but it's a fact. At Starbucks, at least in the U.S., you are allowed to do whatever customizations you want and the baristas have got to put up with your bullcrap. Unbelievable. An increasing number of customers have been asking for drinks they've seen on TikTok. 
They seem to assume every barista in every Starbucks just automatically knows what a sunrise peach frappuccino is or a Harry Styles refresher. To be quite frank, this woman's quoted as saying, all the drinks on TikTok are a bitch to do. (laughs) There you go. With our standard drinks, we just pull the sticker that tells it what it is and we immediately know how to make it. For those moronic TikTok drinks, I added moronic. You literally have to read a novel. Team members have been instructed not to touch customers' phones. So when they come in with their little TikTok videos and say, I want this, and they hold up their phone, they've got to figure, they're not, they're not allowed to touch customers' phones. So they've got to sit there with the customer holding the phone up and try and figure out what this drink is and how to make it. Anyway, they are exasperated, they are fed up, and you are annoying people. Don't drink Starbucks anyway and get off TikTok, but for God's sakes, this ridiculous customization crap. Talk about taking advantage. This is such a typically American thing. (sighs) Unbelievable. Give these folks a break, would you please? You likely couldn't do their job. Because you likely probably wouldn't have a job to begin with. Anyway, uh, all right, moving on briefly. Speaking of drinks, special drinks, a long time ago, this is show number 257, I think. Wow. Um, we've been doing this for a long time. Anyway, a, a while ago, I did a little segment about Moxie. Cassandra Gordon-Harris liked the stream. Cassandra, hey. Good to see you. Thanks. Thanks for popping in. In fact, Cassandra, you might be able to relate to this. You're old enough. Not that you're old, but I think you're about as old as I am. Anyway, we did a segment on moxie. Moxie was a word used to mean cojones. Moxie was like it was like, how do you describe Moxie? If, if back in the in the maybe the thirties, the twenties and thirties, uh, they said, "Boy, that guy's got Moxie. He's got like get up and go. He's got you know, he's got a bit of an ego. He's 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 out there. He's he's got energy. He's full of vim and vigor, and he's got Moxie." Well, they came out with a drink called Moxie. I was told. 40 years ago, when I used to love Moxie, we used to sell it at Utsler's Country Store in West Cornwall, Connecticut, where I had my very first job stocking shelves. But we had Moxie. It's awful tasting. It truly is. It's an acquired taste. But I loved it. And I was told the story that Moxie originally was created to cut the taste of bathtub gin during Prohibition. During Prohibition in the U.S., alcohol was illegal. Didn't work, but, you know. Um, And people would make gin in their bathtubs, and it was awful tasting if it didn't kill you. But you had to cut the taste with something because it was like turpentine. And so that's, I was told, where moxie came from because it has a very strong and very weird taste. Now, when I did that little segment about moxie, I asked, Has anyone heard of Moxie? Does it still exist? If it does, I would give anything to have a can 
It used to come in bottles, but a bottle or a can of Moxie. Well, Jim Moore posted this. He says, never had it. But take a look at that. That's a can of Moxie. Unbelievable. It still exists. I'm telling you, look, if I got any friends in the U.S. watching or listening on our podcast to this show, if you could get me a can of Moxie and send it to me, send me a PM or an email, show at jshelton.com, and let me know if you have Moxie where you are. I'll pay for the shipping, whatever it takes, whatever. Uh, But please, I am dying to try Moxie again. It's been so long. That was such a cool thing. Uh, Some of the comments here about Moxie says, it's an acquired taste. I call it a mix of root beer and cough syrup. Yeah, that's pretty close. Uh, I love Moxie, sweet and bitter. That is also true. It is bitter and it is sweet. You know, I actually think Moxie would do well here in Malaysia because a lot of the tastes are a mixture of two things that don't seem to go together, like bitter and sweet. Anyway... It's cool stuff, and if if you are in the U.S., please send me a PM on any of my social media accounts, Twitter or Facebook or wherever, or show at jsheldon.com. Let me know if you can get me some moxie. I I don't need a whole case. I just need a can, and uh, we'll talk. (laughs) Moxie is so cool. That is, I could not believe when I saw that earlier today that somebody actually had a can of moxie. How cool is that? All right. We do our Miko update at the start of every show. And on our last show, our good news story of the day was something about a, uh, a couple that adopted a pit bull, a pity from, uh, from a, uh, a shelter. And um, I had made the comment that there are no bad dogs. There are only bad owners, which I still hold to be true. There's no breed of dogs that's any more vicious or any more violent than any other, and it has nothing to do with the dog. It has to do with the owner. <clears throat> anyway, I saw this on Upworthy. The link is in our show notes. It is absolutely hilarious, and I want to share it with you. Some pet owners have shared the worst thing their pet has ever done, and some have been very, very bad (laughs) there's a couple of them uh pets are wonderful loving innocent creatures so much pure joy they bring to our lives i miko just is such a big part of our lives i can't tell you um they also have an unruly pension for eating things they shouldn't finding bad places to go potty and our weapons of mass destruction when it comes to shoes knickknacks furniture. If you've ever had a pet, then you have had likely at least one story involving one, if not all of these sins. And no matter how bad the act, you just can't stay mad at them. After all, much of the time, animal misbehavior is merely a natural reaction to stress or boredom. Plus one look at their little faces and all is forgiven most of the time. Well, a Reddit user recently asked owners, what's the worst thing your pet has ever done? And boy, did they come up with some. Take a look at this. 
I'm not going to go through all these, but you can if you want the links in our show notes. My dog from uh, at Living Departure 265. My dog dug up my neighbor's cable line on Super Bowl Sunday when they had a big crowd coming over. I'm guessing that dog was not the most popular one in the pack. Uh, My parrot has learned to swear and will not stop. (laughs) The weirdest thing is that I don't even know how he learned to swear. Maybe he overheard the neighbors or something. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sure that's uh, that's what it was. As from Pizza Pizza Pen. Uh, As a kitten... She managed to get a hold of and tear to pieces a dried flower my mother took from my grandmother's funeral as a keepsake. Literally irreplaceable. Oh, my God. Uh, My dog, then teething, chewed through and broke the beanbag chair he used to sleep on. It was filled with styrofoam pellets, about three millimeters in diameter. Tens of thousands of them. There is no effective way of picking them up because they're attracted by static electricity and they fly at the slightest change in direction in the wind. The vacuum cleaner just pushed around more than it picked up. It took three hours to clean up and we were finding pellets for years in random places. We have a beanbag, uh, big beanbag chair for Miko, which she kind of half sleeps on and off. But when we filled that thing, we were very careful, but no matter how careful you are, those pellets will go everywhere. And they did. Anyway, one or two more here. And <laughs> We used to have a ball python. Ugh. I wake up one morning and take him out of his cage because he's looking restless. I'd throw him on my bed and lay back down. He'd often crawl on me and curl up for warmth. On this particular occasion, he came sniffing around my face right as I yawned. And as I did this, a small tear came out of my eye, which he licked. A second later, he latched onto my eyebrow like it was some furry rodent. I sat up holding the four-foot snake straight off my face. He let go after a few seconds, and we didn't talk for the rest of the day. He left two bloody holes right on my eyebrow. Ew! Well, it serves you right. Let the snake out into your bed. Are you mad? Anyway, check out the rest of these stories. They're funnier as they go. Uh, it's just the strangest thing. And again, it's just all stories about uh, <laughs> about pets being bad. Aswan. Hey, Aswan. Thank you. And thanks you for the share. I appreciate that. Very cool. Thank you a lot. A lot of new viewers tonight. Uh, that's very, very nice of you to pop in. Thank you. All right. I got one more to go, and then we're going to get to our book. Uh, Sherlock Holmes. We'll do that in just a minute. But before we do that, uh, Cynthia, who is it? Uh, Oh, Chamath, Chamath de Santa, Dischantha. Want to get your name right, uh, Chamath. Anyway, 
she shared this on Facebook, and uh, the link is in our show notes. Uh, share it yourself, because it's brilliant. I'm going to read it for you. It's a history of aprons. You know aprons. Everyone knows what an apron is. Well, do you really know what an apron is? I don't think, she writes, most kids today know what an apron is. The principal use of mom's or grandma's apron was to protect the dress underneath because she only had a few. It was also because it was easier to wash aprons than dresses and aprons use much less material. But along that, it served as a potholder for removing hot pans from the oven. It was wonderful for drying children's tears. On occasion, was even used for cleaning out dirty ears. From the chicken coop, the apron was used for carrying eggs, fussy chicks, and sometimes half-hatched eggs would be finished in the warming oven. When company came, those aprons were ideal hiding places for shy kids. And when the weather was cold, she'd wrap it around her arms. Those big old aprons wiped many a perspiring brow, bent over the hot wood stove. Chips and kindling wood were brought into the kitchen in that apron. From the garden, it carried all sorts of vegetables. After the peas had been shelled, it carried out the hulls. In the fall, the apron was used to bring in apples that had fallen from the trees. When unexpected company drove up the road, it was surprising how much furniture that old apron could dust in a matter of seconds. When dinner was ready, she'd walk out onto the porch, waved her apron, and the menfolk knew it was time to come in from the fields for dinner. It'd be a long time before someone invents something that will replace that old-time apron that served so many purposes. Send this to those who would know and love that story about aprons. Remember moms and grandmas used to set hot baked apple pies on the windowsill to cool. Her granddaughters set theirs on the windowsill to thaw. They'd go crazy now trying to figure out how many germs were on that apron. I don't think I ever caught anything from that apron but love. Wow. How about that? There's a picture attached to the... Uh... <laughs> wow. That actually looks like my grandmother's house. <laughs> Amazing. That's a very cool little article. And uh, if you like, the link is in our show notes. It's the last one down in the on today's show. And uh, you can share that out with your friends. I, I know a few people that would love that. All right. Are you ready for some Sherlock Holmes? Yeah, we do books on this show. I know, crazy, right? But uh, we read classic books. We've done The Wizard of Oz, The Little Prince, Winnie the Pooh, Peter Pan, all kinds of great uh, books, the classics. And we read them a little bit at a time till we get all the way through to the end, and then we move on to another one. And right now, we have been doing The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, and we are almost at the end. We've got uh, this one to go, and then one more chapter after that, and we are finished. So, The Barreled Coronet is the uh, mystery of Sherlock Holmes uh, we've been doing, and he is on the case. He's searched throughout the house, inside and out, and finally he walked swiftly from one to the other, window, 
pausing at the large window which looked down the hall in the stable lane, he opened Mary a very careful examination of the sill with his powerful magnifying lens. Now we shall go upstairs, he said at last. Well, the banker's dressing room was a plainly furnished little chamber with a gray carpet, large bureau, and a long mirror. Holmes went to the bureau first and looked hard at the lock. Which key was used to open it, he asked. That which my son himself indicated, that of the cupboard of the lumber room. Have you it here? That's it on the dressing table. Sherlock Holmes took it up and opened the bureau. It's a noiseless lock, said he. It's no wonder it didn't wake you. In this case, I presume, contains the coronet. We must have a look at it. He opened the case, and taking out the diadem, he laid it upon the table. It was a magnificent specimen of jeweler's art, and the thirty-six stones were the finest that I have ever seen. At one side of the coronet was a cracked edge, where a corner holding three gems had been torn away. Now, Mr. Holder, said Holmes, here is the corner which corresponds to that which has been so unfortunately lost. Might I beg that you will break it off? The banker recoiled in horror. I should not dream of trying, said he. Then I will. Holmes suddenly bent his strength upon it, but without result. I feel it give a little, said he, but though I am exceptionally strong in the fingers, it would take me all my time to break it. An extraordinary, an ordinary man couldn't do it. Now, what do you think would happen if I did break it, Mr. Holder? There would be a noise like a pistol shot. Do you tell me that all this happened within a few yards of your bed, and that you heard nothing of it? I do not know what to think. It's all dark to me. Uh, but perhaps it may grow lighter as we go. What do you think, Miss Holder? I confess that I still share my uncle's perplexity. Your son has no shoes or slippers on when you saw him? He had nothing on save only his trousers and shirt. Thank you. We've certainly been favored with extraordinary luck during this inquiry, and it will be entirely our own fault if we do not succeed in clearing the matter up. With your permission, Mr. Holder, I shall now continue my investigations outside. Well, he went alone at his own request, for he explained that any unnecessary footmarks might make his task more difficult. For an hour or more he was at work, returning at last with his feet heavy with snow and his features as inscrutable as ever. "'I think that I have seen now all that there is to see, Mr. Holder,' said he. "'I can serve you best by returning to my rooms.' "'But the gems, Mr. Holmes, where are they?' "'I cannot tell.' The banker wrung his hands. "'I shall never see them again,' he cried. And my son, you give me hopes. My opinion is in no way altered. Oh, then for God's sakes, what is this dark business which has acted upon my house last night? 
If you can call upon me at my Baker Street rooms tomorrow morning between nine and ten, I shall be happy to do what I can to make it clearer. I understand that you give me carte blanche to act for you, providing only that I get back the gems, and that you place no limit on the sum I may draw. I would give my fortune to have them back. Very good. I shall look into the matter between this and then. Goodbye. It is just possible that I may have to come over here again before evening. Well, it was obvious to me that my companion's mind was now made up about the case, although what his conclusions were were more than I could even dimly imagine. Several times during our homeward journey, I endeavored to sound him upon the point, but he always glided away to some other topic, until at last I gave it over in despair. It was not yet three when we found ourselves in our room once more. He hurried to his chamber and was down again in a few minutes, dressed as a common loafer, with his collar turned up, his shiny seedy coat, his red cravat, and his worn boots. He was a perfect sample of the class. I think this should do, he said, glancing into the glass above the fireplace. I only wish you could come with me, Watson, but I fear it won't do. I may be on the trail in this matter, or I may be following a will-o'-the-wisp, but I shall soon know which it is. I hope that I may be back in a few hours. He cut a slice of beef from the joint upon the sideboard, sandwiched it between two rounds of bread, and thrust this rude meal into his pocket, and he started off upon his expedition. I'd just finished my tea when he returned, evidently in excellent spirits, swinging an old elastic-sided boot in his hand. He chucked it down into a corner and helped himself to a cup of tea. I only look in as I passed, said he. I am going right on. Where to? Oh, to the other side of the West End. It may be some time before I get back. Uh, don't wait up for me in case I should be late. How are you getting on? Oh, so-so. Nothing to complain of. I, I've been out to Streatham before since I saw you last, but I didn't call at the house. It's a very sweet little problem, and I wouldn't have missed it for a good deal. However, I must not sip gossiping here. I must get these disreputable clothes off and return to my highly respectable self. I could see by his manner he had stronger reasons for satisfaction than his words alone would imply. His eyes twinkled. There was even a touch of color in his sallow cheeks. He hastened upstairs, and a few minutes later I heard the slam of the hall door which told me he was off once more upon his congenial hunt. I waited until midnight, and there was still no sign of his return. So I retired to my room. It was no uncommon thing for him to be away for days and nights on end when he was hot on a scent, so that his lateness caused me no surprise. I do not know at what hour he came in, but when I came down to breakfast in the morning, there he was, cup of coffee in one hand and the paper in the other, as fresh and as trim as possible. "'You will excuse my beginning without you, Watson,' said he, "'but you remember that our client has rather an early appointment this morning.' "'Oh, why, it's after nine now,' I answered. 
I should not be surprised if that were he. I, I thought I heard a ring. It was indeed our friend, the financier. I was shocked by the change which had come over him, for his face, which was naturally of a broad and massive mold, was now pinched and fallen in, while his hair seemed to me at least a shade whiter. He entered with a weariness and lethargy which was even more painful than his violence of the morning before, and he dropped heavily into the armchair which I pushed forward for him. Do not know what I have done to be so severely tired, said he. Only two days ago I was a happy, prosperous man, without a care in the world. Now I'm left to a lonely and dishonored age. One sorrow comes close upon the heels of another. My niece, Mary, she's deserted me. Deserted you? Yes, her bed this morning had not been slept in. Her room was empty, and a note for me lay on the hall table. I had said to her last night in sorrow and not in anger that if she had married my boy, all might have been well with him. Perhaps it was thoughtless of me to say so. It is to that remark she refers in this note. My dearest uncle, I feel I brought trouble upon you and that if I had acted differently, this terrible misfortune might never have occurred. I cannot, with this thought in my mind, ever again be happy under your roof. I feel I must leave you forever. Do not worry about my future, for that is provided for, and above all, do not search for me, for it will be fruitless labor and ill service to me. In life or in death, I am ever your loving Mary. What could she mean by that note, Mr. Holmes? Do you think it points to suicide? No, no, nothing of the kind. It's perhaps the best possible solution. I trust, Mr. Holder, that you are nearing the end of your troubles. Huh, you say so. You've heard something, Mr. Holmes. You've learned something. Where are the gems? I would not, you would not think a thousand pounds apiece is an excessive sum for them? I would pay ten. That would be unnecessary. Three thousand will cover the matter. And there is a little reward, I fancy. Have you your checkbook? Here's a pen. Better make it out for four thousand pounds. With a dazed face, the banker made out the required check. Holmes walked over to his desk, took out a little triangular piece of gold with three gems on it, and threw it down on the table. With a shriek of joy, our client clutched it up. You have it, he gasped. I'm saved, I'm saved. The retraction of joy was as passionate as his grief had been, and he hugged his recovered gems to his bosom. There is one other thing you owe, Mr. Holder, said Sherlock Holmes rather sternly. Oh, he caught up the pen. Name the sum. I will pay it. No, the debt is not to me. You owe a very humble apology to that noble lad, your son, who's carried himself in this matter as I should be proud to see my own son do, should I ever chance to have one. It was not Arthur, then, who took them? 
I told you yesterday, and I repeat today, it was not. You're sure of it. Then let's hurry to him at once, to let him know the trust truth is known. He knows it already. When I'd cleared it all up, I had an interview with him, and finding he would not tell me the story, I told it to him, on which he had to confess that I was right, and to add the very few details which were not yet quite clear to me. Your news of this morning, however, may open his lips. For heaven's sake, tell me then, what is this extraordinary mystery? I will do so, and I will show you the steps by which I reached it. And let me say to you first, which is hardest for me to say and for you to hear, there has been an understanding between Sir George Burnwell and your niece Mary. They have now fled together. Whoa! Cool! Oh, I can't wait to find out how it all worked out. And we'll do that on Saturday night as we wrap up this second-to-the-last adventure with Sherlock Holmes. Wow. How about that? Cool beans. <laughs> All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. Thanks so much. We had a lot of brand-new people who popped into the stream tonight. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much for the likes and the shares. If you are uh, would be so kind, just... Uh, Please do follow and, and subscribe wherever you may be watching, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch.tv, or Rumble.com. And if you are a podcast person, just check us out wherever you get your podcast. Look for The Jay Sheldon Show and uh, hit follow and subscribe, and <clears throat> we appreciate that. We literally get hundreds of downloads every week, and we really, really appreciate uh, the fact that you do that. Thank you for the subscriptions and the uh, follows. I'll see you again Saturday night. This is the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Merdeka. Good night. Snort. <laughs>